Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, and I'll be reading various verses. As we prepare hearts and minds for God's word read and then proclaimed, let us together with one heart turn to God in prayer. Truly you all, you are our all in all, Lord, in all that we see and do, and in you we live and move and have our being. It is in that that we hope and trust. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, be in this place. For if you are not, then nothing else matters. And if you are, then nothing else matters. And let the people of God together say, Amen. Hear now these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in the branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and then hid, and then in his joy he goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. Have you understood all this, Jesus asked? The disciples answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The attic. I wish I had a picture to show you, but back then we didn't carry around a camera with us everywhere we go like we do today. But even more than a picture, I wish I could place you in the context. I wish I could take you to that space with me, the attic, a space of wonder and mystery and stifling heat. 
Oh my goodness, the oppressive heat. You see, this is the attic in my grandmother's house. Now, because she lives over 1,100 miles away, it means she comes to see us more than we travel to see her, and therefore going to the Stanley family reunion was quite an adventure. Everything in her house seemed like a treasure. She and my grandfather slept in twin beds, just like me and my sister, which was noteworthy in my 10-year-old brain. My grandmother's house was like most on her street, an old clapboard house on a foundation of concrete blocks. The fact that the crawl space was open gave me the heebie-jeebies. There's a window unit in the living room right above her faded mustard sofa that blows in cool air. Inside, everything smells a little like mothballs and Pond's cold cream. My grandmother lives in Texas, South Texas, Texas in the South on the coast, which means that my grandparents' attic, which of course is not air-conditioned, was hotter than I can even begin to describe. But in the summer of 1989, I convinced my cousin that we ought to brave the heat of the attic upstairs in search of treasure. Now my grandpa was a veteran, it's too late now to ask of what war, but he kept everything and he called himself a collector, though nowadays we'd probably call him a hoarder. There was all kinds of stuff in their attic, even another set of twin beds. Now, both of my grandparents had been previously married, so stuff from their former households found its way upstairs. Lots of papers, lots of books, lots of old National Geographics, lots of war memorabilia, clothes, and coins. My grandmother collected matchbooks and then stuck them in giant glass pickle jars. She also loved the religious knickknacks. And I was convinced because Goonies was my favorite movie. At the time, you remember Goonies, right? The movie in the 80s about teenagers who accidentally find a treasure map in the attic and they go in search of the pirate, One-Eyed Willie's lost treasure. Do they find it? Yes, they do. Do they save the day? Of course, it was an 80s movie. They absolutely do. I was convinced that hidden away in that hot summer South Texas attic, I was convinced if my cousin and I looked hard enough, we too would find treasure up there. You know, the thing about treasure is you have to go looking for it. It isn't usually just lying around. I have never just walked past a trunk spilling over with jewels, have you? Treasure is something to be found. Sometimes it's something to be pursued, something to uncover, something hiding 
right before your eyes. I mean, that's why we love shows like Antiques Roadshow, am I right? People bring in their stuff hoping it isn't trash, but actually treasure. As Jesus tells us, we should all be goonies, willing to stop at that estate sale or dig through your great Aunt Nancy's garage because everywhere could hold hidden treasure. Now, he doesn't describe a treasure that's gold or rubies, though he does mentions, mention a great pearl. His treasure won't be an original art deco piece or that brooch that you inherited. This treasure is different. It's more. It's both tangible and intangible. It's both rare and abundant. It's both hidden and in plain sight. You can't see the yeast by looking at the dough. You can't see the branches of a tree by looking at the seed. Pearls aren't on the outside of the oyster shell. Jesus is describing the kingdom of God as something to be discovered. But Jesus also describes the kingdom within this life, within really mundane parameters. Seeds, flour, yeast, fish, fields. His parables aren't saying, you'll see the kingdom when you're successful or when things finally calm down and there's peace. He didn't say the kingdom is out there in the life ever after. Jesus didn't say the kingdom was some philosophical idea, something to hold in the cradle of your heart. He also did not say that God's kingdom is this special Christian thing that only insiders get to understand or be a part of. Swiss theologian Ulrich Luz says gospel is for Matthew nothing else but the kingdom proclamation of the earthly Jesus. In other words, for Matthew, the good news that changes everything is God's very near and present kingdom proclaimed and lived by a very incarnated Christ. Kingdom proclamation of the earthly Jesus. Jesus is describing the glory and the immensity of God's kingdom to us in simple terms of housework and mustard shrubs. It makes it rather ordinary. The stories and images that Jesus uses to talk about his kingdom and that heaven are a tenant farmer, a housewife, a fisherman, a merchant, ordinary people doing ordinary things, like baking bread or planting a garden or combing through the memories in your grandmother's attic. These are how the kingdom of God is hidden right in front of us. Folded into the very fabric of our lives are these pearls, these moments that capture us and transform us like yeast in dough, like oak trees that grow from acorns, like a grain of sand that becomes a pearl 
these glimpses of the kingdom of heaven are right here. I love the work of late poet, Irish poet, John O'Donohue. In his work, Eternal Echoes, he writes, when you enter the world, you come to live on the threshold between the visible and the invisible. You bring with you a sense of belonging to the invisible that you can never lose or finally cancel. There is always some magnet that draws your eyes to the horizon or invites you to explore behind things and seek out concealed depths. You know that the real nature of things is hidden deep within them. I think you could read the word kingdom all over what O'Donohue says, that when we're born, we're born into the threshold of the visible and the invisible. We are born into the space of heaven and earth, of kingdom and creation. We belong to something that's hidden in plain sight and are invited to explore what is concealed. You know, the Irish and the Celts, they really have always been better at remembering that the world is full of thresholds and thin places. Another way to say it might be that the world was once awash in enchantment. Enchantment is a forgotten thing. You know, our world is really secular and very scientific. Where we used to believe in a more enchanted existence, more dynamic, a life where we lived among impossible things and realms, now science has largely explained away a faith that can see hidden treasure in mustard shrubs and oysters, a faith that can see the kingdom of heaven on earth. In his book, Hunting for Magic Eels, Recovering an Enchanted Faith in a Skeptical Age, Richard Beck tells the story of a magical well. Saint Dwynvin was a fifth century Celtic saint and the patron saint of lovers in Wales. At the abbey, there was a holy well and inside the well were enchanted eels that could predict your romantic future. Legend says that if an eel disturbed a token thrown into the well, it was a sign that you and your lover would be faithful for life. Needless to say, the church became rather wealthy as pilgrims flocked to their site. Now, most of us would no more trust an eel than a magic eight ball with our romantic life, right? But this points to an aspect in our history that has been lost in modern times and impacts the way we see our faith. Thomas Merton said, life is simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and God is shining through all the time. It becomes very obvious that God is everywhere and in everything and we cannot be without him. You cannot be without God. It is impossible. It is simply impossible. The only thing is, we don't see it. 
noticing is about intention and presence. It's about paying attention. It's about seeing. At the end of this passage, Jesus asks the Goonies, do you understand? And they answer, of course we do, Lord. Yes, of course we do. The problem is I have a really hard time being present in all the moments, Lord. The problem is we have really short attention spans. The problem is is we're blinded by the shiny and shimmery. I mean, we could all claim to have spiritual ADD. Which makes me wonder that if recapturing enchantment might hold some promise for us. Enchantment isn't about fairy tales and eels. Enchantment isn't seeing things the way they are, but seeing things as we are meant to see them. Enchantment isn't concerned with a scientific description of the world, but with beholding the sacred of the world. And if what Jesus seems to be telling us is that the kingdom is right here, hidden in plain sight, in ordinary things in our ordinary lives, then perhaps our intention and focus could be channeled toward a re-enchanting of our faith, an intentional recovery of that holy capacity to see and experience God in the world a heavenly proclamation by a divinely human savior. The kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says. Friends, what is the kingdom of heaven like to you? What is it like to us? Is it like a church? Looking back over 150 years, realizing she stands on so many shoulders only so that she can continue to hoist her community up and out. Is the kingdom like that moment three years ago when all air travel was shut down? No planes could fly in the sky, and for days, they were so achingly blue. I'm grateful that I remember seeing them just once. Is the kingdom of heaven like one candle that starts in a dark sanctuary while silent night is sung like a prayer, and then suddenly... A whole sanctuary is ablaze? Is the kingdom of heaven like a newborn who cries out feeling air for the first time? Is the kingdom of heaven like putting flowers on a coffin? Is the kingdom of heaven like baking cookies for punch on the patio? Is the kingdom of heaven like seeing the world awash with her creator? Do you know about that experiment 
where volunteers are asked to count how many times a basketball is tossed between basketball players. Meanwhile, a person in a gorilla suit marches across and in between them. And then afterwards, the volunteers are asked what they saw and none of them saw the gorilla. Do you know what I'm talking about? What if enchantment allows us to see the kingdom more? More than just an ideal, more than something that's up there, more than sentiment in our hearts? What if enchantment allows the kingdom of God to be a treasure hidden in plain sight? What if the world is absolutely transparent and God is actually shining through? Can we see the proclamation of kingdom by a very earthly Jesus? Let's take it as a sign that the threshold of the invisible and visible is something we belong to and can never cancel. Let's take it as a sign that the gate of heaven is everywhere, even in the boring, even in the mundane, even in the everyday, like baking bread, like planting a garden, like combing through memories in a hot Texas attic. In the name of the one who asks, do you understand? Amen.